this is Joe and TJ with another episode of our One Thing series. Our desire is that our One Thing series truly helps you to lead better and grow faster. Every month on our podcast, we feature a great guest always on the topic of leadership, and we blast it out to you from the schoolhouse302.com. Thank you, TJ. Please share this with other leaders you know that are looking and craving to get better. Thank you. So here we are with our guest, Fred Stuvek. Thank you for being on the show, Fred. Uh, Joe and TJ, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. This month, we are focused on the importance of finding your own way to success. We are very excited to have you on our podcast. This month, we wanted to take a deep dive into this topic of achieving success and really the mindset that is required to do so. So many people have those aspirations, um, but never fulfill them. Um, TJ and I were really impressed with your military background, your career, um, and the work you've done in general. So we love the fact that you wrote a book that can be used by mentors as well. TJ, why don't you tell our, our audience a bit more about Fred? Sure thing, Joe. Our guest this month is Fred Stuvek. Fred Stuvek has achieved extraordinary success in diverse realms. Born in West Virginia and raised in Pennsylvania, he's been inducted into the Pennsylvania Sports Hall of Fame for achievements in football, basketball, baseball, and track. That's awesome. He graduated from the United States Naval Academy after lettering three years as quarterback for the midshipmen. After service as a naval officer, he transitioned to the business world where he has held senior leadership positions in private and public companies, both domestically and internationally. Fred's key successes include an international medical imaging startup that he led to a successful IPO and forming a private medical service company, which he subsequently sold. From the playing field to the war room to the boardroom, his leadership and accomplishments have given him a distinct perspective and a results-oriented mindset, which is where we're going to start with Fred today. We're thrilled to have him on the show. So, okay, Fred, let's talk about success. In your book, It Starts With You, you describe several key characteristics in which others need to be successful, but you focus on the critical importance of confidence, and that's what we really love about the book, how leaders can develop confidence um, as, as they lead others, as they lead themselves. We want to start this podcast with anything that you might say about the keys to success, but, but the critical importance of confidence. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. And again, once again, thanks uh, for having me on the show. It's great to be here. Uh, you know, w when you talk about success, uh, it, it's, it's like anything else. It's not one thing. It's a number of things which determine of things which determines your success. And your mindset and habits play a big part since how you think and how you act defines you as a person. And you know what I've tried to do in the in the in the book is to comprehensively and specifically address the the full range of issues. When I say full range of issues, uh, you've probably heard someone say you have to believe in yourself or you can be successful. Whoever you have you ever seen a plan or a book that a that addresses the full range of issues. And that's what I've tried to do here by comprehensively and specifically telling the reader what is important, 
why it is important, and how you do something. It's short on theory and long on practice, almost like an operating manual. For example, I talk about the importance of belief, which is not coincidentally the first chapter. Because if you don't believe in yourself and what you do, how do you expect others? They also talk about finding the right fit, establishing goals, developing a strategy, and acting on it. I also address the importance of myriad issues such as communication, integrity, your emotional quotient, discipline, personal fitness, how to deal with adversity and failure, teamwork, and, and leadership, which is the overarching theme of, uh, of your podcast. And, uh, you know, I would also like to add that, uh, you know, those values that you point out are very important. I read it in one of your blogs where you talked about your core values and, and you know, the three-minute challenge where you have to define your values. Those values are very important because as a leader, what you do and what you are about are about your values and everything should reflect that. Fred, you bring up a good point that you just touched on a very holistic approach to success and leadership and really the individual having so many lanes in which they need um, to be successful in. Do you attribute that holistic approach to your military background? Because um, we do find often that leaders are successful in one area of their life, but not in others. So they eventually sabotage themselves or their organization because they haven't taken the time to develop in multiple areas since we're multifaceted human beings. What do you attribute to that? Because um, we see that neglected at times. Uh, yes, you know, the leadership industry in and of itself is, is pretty big business. And, you know, my views on leadership are that the basic principles haven't changed. There are a lot of books and programs on leadership, you know, a lot of buzzwords or terms used to define this or that approach, which are packaged and marketed. However, in my opinion, these are just simply variations of the same themes and principles which have been around for centuries, you know, whether it be ancient Greece or Rome, London, Peking, or colonial Boston, the basic principles of leadership have always been constant and timeless. You know, there are nuances and adjustments have to be made due to changes in society, including technology. Who, if, you're, if your basics are sound, you can deal with the complexities, providing that you have the qualities and the training to be an effective leader. Does that make sense? Yes, perfect. It's actually um, what resonated deeply with me was, you know, sometimes I'll go back and reread certain books because I've changed. The principle of leadership may have not changed, but I'll continue to read on a subject, continue to investigate the subject because I'm hoping I'm changing as an individual and the, the nuance in which I interpret things has changed and hopefully a new door opens that helps me lead better. Um, so that's really our, our push. And I think TJ would, would uh, agree with that as well. I, I, I hope that makes sense. Um, that's what I thought you were getting at as well. It, it, it does to me. And you no, know, you can, you can always learn and be exposed to different things. But when, when you talk about becoming a leader, and again, I'm going to go back to the leadership training issue. In my opinion, there is a very, very poor return on, in, in, in return on investment in leadership training. Uh, 
leadership training across a spectrum of individuals or a program within a company is largely ineffective unless there's sustainability. I mean, you've seen some of the statistics, I'm sure. Uh, some estimates range from 10 to 15% that the participants change their behavior. Well, I think that's optimistic. And if you, you know, going to a seminar is one thing, but leadership is based is 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 based around experience being around leaders observing them working with them and having the responsibility of leading a team a squad or a company learning what works best for you and over time you develop a good example would be sports just pick a sport i'll just pick football since i spent a lot of time on the gridiron you know it's one thing to go to a class where you learn about the basics of the fundamentals but you never really develop until you're out there on the field practicing, learning, and getting better each day. Even at the Naval Academy, uh, the leadership I learned was not based on a course or a seminar. As a matter of fact, I, there were very few courses on leadership. I, I, I don't really remember one. I, I remember a lot of the other courses, but the, the entire system and in the military, and it should, this way, should be this way in business, is that there's a continuum in which core principles are emphasized and you develop the core competencies to, to set the stage for leadership development opportunities. And, you know, you brought up the, the word competence. A, a leader has to be competent, okay? And you have to be confident. And that's, some, that's a learned behavior, and that's something that's developed over time. So the best thing you can do as a leader is to be in a situation where you can be with other leaders, to be in a situation where those core values are emphasized, and practice. And again, I go back to your, your, your blog on the three-minute challenge. I mean, I, it all comes back to your values. If you look at a military operation, a business operation, or even the school, you have basic values, basic things that you do that are, that are very, very important. And those values are something which guide your decision-making process and are very important. And, you know, I'd just like to digress and just say one thing, you know, Joe and TJ, uh, I wanted to say this at the beginning, but I just really respect educators and what they do. Um, you know, my parents were both teachers and my, all my brothers and sisters were teachers. You know, in my opinion, the educational system is the crucible of learning and development for our young people. And the teachers today are the leaders of next generation's leaders. So thank you for what you're doing and the difference you're making. But I think you would agree that the leadership being taught to these young men and women is not the leadership that's being taught in the classroom, but by watching the teachers and the organization and the school carry through and every day conduct their business, make decisions, and treat the curriculum and the students and everything else in a manner that's consistent with the principles and the values that are so near and dear to you. Absolutely. It's a great point. Thank you for um, the compliment as well towards us in a field that does not go unnoticed. It's, you know, sometimes that's a tough narrative for educators. Um, so we appreciate the sentiments. Let's shift gears a little bit, Fred, but it's really just diving deep now. Um, and we couldn't agree more with this whole notion of mentorship, the whole idea of seeing um, leadership in action. Um, but these are our five one, the, uh, one thing series leadership questions. Who is one person or group who you follow for either knowledge or inspiration 
um, along those lines of, of somebody who really walks the walk? Um, and where could we find them? What, you know, I, T, uh, TJ and Joe, I don't follow one group or person, but I, I, I take a broader approach by trying to get the views of a number of people across the spectrum. You know, if, today, one of the things that's very different is the diversity of the workforce and the people we work with. In former times, it was much more of a homogenous environment where you'd be working with different people from different parts of the country. And there were some barriers that existed due to distance and time. However, with travel, the advent of travel and improved communication, these barriers have been mitigated. So you're working with someone in another time zone or a different country. And this also presents challenges, including language, custom, culture, empathizing with them. And we also have a diverse range of demographic segments, such as the millennials and the Gen Zers. You know, as a result, you know, there are different norms, different expectations, and what works with one person or group will not necessarily work with another, which is why you have to adapt uh, as, as needed. So one of the things I try to do is expose myself to the views, to the writings, uh, even on social media, to, to as many different people as I can to get a very, to get the pulse on what all the different groups are, uh, you know, what's making them tick today. And, you know, it's because, you know, communication skills and EQ or emotional quotient is not desired, but it's operationally necessary in today's environment. So, you know, as a result, you have to be able to understand, empathize with them and, and, and to communicate with them. And only by doing that can you inspire and, and motivate them. And uh, you know, that's just that's my take on it. We certainly love that, the exposure to different views, um, certainly the diversity that we need on our team and that we can gain from, from exposure to, um, to different groups. You, you mentioned social media and you mentioned connecting. Can you give us a little nugget for our listeners love some practical um, advice? Like where do you go? Is there a certain social media that you use? Um, are there hashtags that you would, you would recommend? Is there, is there just a, a place that you would say, you know what, here's a group of people that you can connect with on a regular basis and they're always available? Well, I, one thing I am definitely not is a social media guru, but uh, I do have a little bit of experience when I say a little bit. Uh, when I published my first book, uh, I was I was told by the people I'm working with that I had to, to be active on social media. Now I'd been on LinkedIn before, but the other ones, no. So I've, I've only, I've been on it really active for, for less than a year. But one, you know, one of the things I've done is, you know, you have the different forums, you have Twitter, you have LinkedIn, you have Facebook, you have Instagram. I, I, I think it's, you know, you, you want to have a presence, but you can't be Jack of all trades and master of none. So what I've tried to, what I am, not try to do what I am doing is I'm focusing on one platform where I spend the majority of my time. And that turns out to be Twitter. Why? Because I find it much more business oriented and it's much more practical in terms of, you know, what I'm about and what I'm trying to do. And it also exposes me to a diverse range of views from different people from around the world. I mean, the time zones, the, the barriers have, have collapsed. You have instant communication, which is, good and in some cases not so good if you hit send whenever you're upset or under duress or something like that and you know in terms of, of, of you know I, I, the hashtags I mean I, I look at leadership I look at management I look at learning 
And when I look at the profiles of different people, I, I, I make a, an assessment as, does this someone that fits in with what I'm trying to do? And, and, you know, can I learn something from them by the same token? Maybe they would, you know, could learn something from me. So I, I tend to look at it that way. I, I see Instagram as more of a social thing. LinkedIn, of course, is much more business, but you know, my advice would be to, to focus on one platform uh, because you're going to end up spreading yourself too thin, although you have a presence on others and look in those areas and find those thought leaders or people that you think that can help you and uh, that you can have a, a good dialogue with and, and have, you know, have that uh, online uh, digital relationship, so to speak. Matter of fact, that's how I got to get to know the two of you, correct? That's correct. And that's fantastic advice as well. I mean, we got to know you on Twitter and you have a presence there. And I, 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 we agree that there are certain hashtags that you follow and then you find from those hashtags certain people who you can connect with. And it's a constant feed for professional growth. We hear from folks all the time that they're learning so much from Twitter and the connections that they make there. And so we're, we're pushing people and, and thanks for that that push to the audience to, to get on one platform and, and to have a presence on multiple, but to get on one for the purpose of learning and connecting. Um, yeah, and you know, you know, to, if, if I may just interject one thing, if it's okay. Sure thing. Go. Yeah. Well, one of the things I've done too is the, the Twitter thing can be a bit overwhelming uh, in terms of all the people and the followers. And, you know, one of the things that I've done is I put together a list of what I feel or I call them HVT high value targets. Not that they're a target, but people that I want to make sure I, I pay attention to. And it's, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty good list, but I, I make a conscious effort to go back and to periodically go in and check the stream and the feed of those people that, uh, that you know, I have identified. And, you know, TG, I'd like to con congratulate you. You're on the list. Oh, thank you. I appreciate being on that list. <laughs> and... Uh, you know what? I think that's a great little piece of advice too. Just the um, the targeted group and just making lists. Uh, period of the people who you would want to interact with, and then just going back and seeing what they say. I do a similar strategy. I, I don't think I'm as um, intentional as you are, but but fantastic that that little piece of advice is going to get to our audience. Um, I want to pivot a little bit because. Uh, we like to talk about habits and, and daily habits. What's one thing that people should try to do on a regular basis that might make a difference in their day um, from your perspective? I mean, I think you always have to be open to constructive criticism or, you know, feedback. For example, when you play sports, you don't look at what you did right. You look at what you did wrong. You watch tape, you watch the game. So I would say a analyze, reflect, and look at, everything and anything that you did and look at two things. Okay. D did, did it go the way that you wanted it to? If, if something went wrong, what went wrong? Why did it go wrong? And what could you do better or differently next time? And the same holds true for what went right. You know, why did it work? Uh, how can you improve on the process and implementation which is another issue because if you, you know, you can have a great team and a great plan, but if you don't implement, assess and adapt, you can have problems. So I, I would say reflect and be able to take constructive criticism and feedback from your team, uh, from people that you respect and have an environment that is conducive to people offering their input and be secure enough to accept that feedback. 
feedback. Otherwise, you're just going to keep blithely moving forward and you're going to continue to make the same mistake and not improve on things. That's excellent advice. I really like the, um, the adapt piece to that and how we have to remain flexible and from the feedback we receive. And you're right, Fred, it takes a lot of confidence in the individual to be able to take that feedback and grow from it. Um, Fred, you've had a, a diverse career professionally. Um, you've even mentioned a lot of time spent in different athletics. What's one thing that you um, would want to know or be able to do that you haven't already? Uh, you know, we, development, uh, your growth is not static. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, one of the things I have, one of my goals is to, to have my book widely used in the educational system with, and, and with companies a, as a resource uh, for learning and, and, and training. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, this is kind of a new area for me. And, but like you said, you know, I do have a very diverse background, a diverse range of experience and getting into this, I found the need to, uh, establish goals and always try to try to stretch myself because if you don't have those goals and get out of your comfort zone, you're not going to improve. That's awesome. So just the push that you need with your goals you get out of that comfort zone. Is there any mantra or anything that you tell yourself to make that happen on a regular basis? Um, because the whole concept of wanting to be able to do something different than you do right now uh, kind of scares people. So is there, is there something that you do or tell yourself on a regular basis to, to make yourself that push or you just think that's natural for you? Well, I, I would, I think that's, uh, that's natural for me, but I, I think that's something that I've developed over time as well. I mean, if you look at why people don't act, I mean, I think fear has probably killed more dreams than anything. And, you know, why don't people do something? You know, you know they, they, they resist change and, and they're fearful, but it really, a lot of it also boils, boils down to a lack of confidence and resistance to change. So you have to understand that these barriers exist and create strategies to, to deal with them. You know, avoidance is not a winning strategy. It only makes things worse because what you end up running from, you end up running into. So you have to face your fear head on and condition your mind and body to overcome these fears. Now, you know, there are different ways to address that and approach that. And I cover those in detail uh, in my book, and, you know, if anybody is interested, I think there's some good tactics in there for you. But, you know, my time in the sports and the time in the military, uh, I think, helped me quite a bit and later translated to success in business because, you know, you win and lose, you succeed and fail. But failure in and of itself is not a bad thing. It's just learning experience. So if, if you take that that learning experience and you use it as something to, to build on, uh, that's very important. And you need, need to have the right mindset too. I talk about mindset a lot in the book. For example, if you have, if there's something that you're uncertain about, and if you go into this event, issue, presentation, full of self-doubt and haven't prepared, 
and in your mind thinking this isn't going to work out, chances are it probably will not work out. It'll become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Having said that, if you have gone, gone, if you are prepared, you've done your homework, you practiced, used some of the techniques I recommended in my book, and are prepared, okay, your chances are improved immeasurably. Now, will it work out? Well, maybe, maybe not. But you've given it your best shot. You've learned something. You can build on that, adapt, move forward, and do better next time. And that's something that you always have to do. So you have to put yourself at, out there. You know, what's a mantra? You mentioned the word mantra. If I think if I heard you correctly earlier, I think one of my mantras is, I'll just say to myself, I got this. Okay. I'll just say, I got this. And I just keep moving forward. And I think everybody has to. It's not, it's not the failure that's, that's the problem. It's the fear. So you have to drive that out, condition yourself, be disciplined, and put yourself out there. Tons of great wisdom right there, Fred. You just killed it. I mean, the, the audience is going to take some quips from that. I hope we really get um, some retweets and, and, some, and some people who actually resonate with a bunch of those mantras, including fear kills more dreams than anything else. Um, to, to piggyback off of that, because you've grown significantly, you talk about sports, you talk about business, um, you talk about the military, and you talk about overcoming fear and just telling yourself, I got this. Is there um, one thing that leads, that has led to or continues to support your growth as a leader that others might be able to replicate? Like, what are you doing to continue to grow? That's a good follow-up question. And it, it dovetails nicely with the earlier question. Again, this is, I'm, I'm talking about comfort zone and stretching yourself. Okay, for, for example, and that's the only way that you can gain experience, learn, and confidence. For example, after my military service, I transitioned to the civilian world. I was, I picked what I thought would be a good fit for me. And the, the fit is something that's very important too, because you have to fit into the organization. It has to be something that goes both ways. So I, you know, I picked a large corporate entity and, you know, I was there several years, but I remember telling my wife after about nine or 10 years, I was getting comfortable. I was getting, com you know, complacent. I wasn't challenged. So I, you know, I told my wife, I, said, I think I need to do something new. So I, we, I took a huge cut in salary. We, we, up, we relocated, headed down south, and I joined a high-tech startup, which, you know, ultimately to a successful IPO. I mean, we had our ups and downs, but it was, uh, it was uh, something that was a very useful experience. It was a, also added that it was a much different environment than anywhere I'd ever worked before. And I quickly learned that some of the things – that would work in the military or in a larger corporate type environment didn't work well. So it reinforced my, my need or to, to be aware and to adapt to the environment, all the well drawing strength from the basics. So, you know, after the IPO, I been there for a while. I was comfortable, been there, done that. I always thought it'd be interesting to start a new company up from the ground up. So, I went out and, and, and did that. And you know the statistics about startups and the associated lifespan or success rate. They're not very good, you know, at all. So, you know, I actually turned out well, and I 
it was a valuable learning experience and ended up selling the company to a large hospital system. But you know, one of the things I did is, uh, as I was starting the company up, I spent days researching what mistakes do people make when they start up a company or why do companies fail? To me, that was something that was very important because you, you, you know, you want to, you want to do things right, but it's the wrong things that really put the stake in the heart. So I was very focused on what are the mistakes that people make and how can I create an environment and a process to mitigate or minimize those mistakes. So, so after I sold the company, I, I always had in my mind that I wanted to write a book and never done it before. A lot of people have been asking me to do it. And I said, well, I'll, 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 I'll do this book. And again, I went through the same process. What mistakes do authors make? Uh, you know, what recommendations do people have? And, you know, I think I've delivered a pretty good product and I have a second book on this one's going to be on leadership, which I think that, which you will like, which has a very interesting uh, take on leadership. It comes out next fall. So, Anyhow, you might be interested in that. But I think the point is, don't get too comfortable. Take on new resp responsibilities and challenges. Uh, and that is the only way you will learn and grow. Otherwise, you're just on cruise control. Thank you, Fred. Yeah, that's sage advice. Um, when you're green, you're growing. When you're not, you're rot. You know, that's a great phrase uh, we like to keep in our back pocket. You do touch on something, though, that also... You know, TJ and I just launched a little bit of a new series on our blog called Low Level Leadership. And we were a little hesitant because there's so much work out there and body of work on studying just the success habits. So duplicate those best practices. But from talking to people in some of our own research, we, we identified people continually making some of the same mistakes over and over. So what we do is try to create and identify those pitfalls and create the antithesis of that as well. So it's nice to hear that that's exactly how you approach the startup and with your book. I think it's a, a nice way um, to go about not being naive in what you're embarking on. No, exactly. I mean, and it, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, so to speak, or something which evolves into its own success story. Because if you know what the mistakes are and don't make those mistakes, then by definition, you're, you're really headed in the right direction of doing the right things because you're not making those mistakes. And that critical analysis and, and is, 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 is so important. So important. Thank you. Let's wrap this up, Fred, with our final question. Is there one thing that you used to think that you don't think anymore? Absolutely. And, you know, perhaps it's from watching too many John Wayne movies or <laughs> something like that. But, you know, the, the, as, you know, as a leader or as a manager or whatever, you do not have to have all the answers. And if you think you do, you're either arrogant or insecure or both. It, it's okay to say, I don't know. It's important to ask someone, what do you think? What do you recommend? Get that feedback and get as much information and views as you can. It helps you to make a more informed decision. And you know, the team also respects this since they're part of the process which facilitates buy-in. Now, some may see this as the leader being vulnerable, but it's quite the opposite. 
you have to be confident and secure to seek out and accept feedback and have an environment that fosters transparency. And, you know, always, you know, be truthful and, and avoid rushes to judgment and, and, and ensure that confirmation bias doesn't become part of the equation. And that's another challenge today. There's so much information out there that you can very easily draw your own conclusion based on your internal confirmation bias if you're not careful. So you have to be objective, you have to seek the truth, and you have to interpret what is being transmitted and understand what's being transmitted. And by the same token, you have to make sure that you don't have any filters on when you're receiving that information so you understand what is what is being transmitted and so you can properly receive it. It's a fantastic way to uh, end the segment, Fred, because it really speaks to the idea that um, the only way you can receive information is if you're ready to receive it. Um, and that starts with the thought that you don't have all the answers in the first place. Joe and I talk about developing a learning culture versus a teaching culture. And that sounds like a learning mindset versus a teaching mindset. Uh, and it really does show the difference between um, the confidence that one has in accepting information from others and sometimes the arrogance that we can develop in thinking that we have all the answers ourselves. Fred, this has been a fantastic interview. There's been a ton of simplicity, but also great strategies for our listeners. Um, we always say that that's the key, that leadership might be complex, but it does not have to be complicated. Is there anything else, Fred, that you would like to add for today's uh, podcast? Yeah, for the, for the listeners out there, I would, I would pose one question to them. If you were doing the same thing five years from now, would you be satisfied? And if the answer is no, I would ask, I would ask the, them, they should ask themselves, okay, what are you going to do about it? So, you know, my advice would be do something about it because anyone at any stage in their life can apply principles these principles to be successful and, you know, find something you believe in, you, you enjoy doing dive deep and, you know, put together a plan that includes personal and professional goals and take that first step. And then the next one with each one being a small victory that will enable you to ultimately reach your goal. But if you have to get in that action mode, you have to commit, then you have to be disciplined and have a process to do something, but just don't be content to maintain the status quo. You can and will get better, but that really starts with you. There you have it. Great advice. A great end uh, to a podcast with a challenge from Fred Stubeck. We're going to have to have a round two when that leadership book comes out. Don't forget to follow our blog at theschoolhouse302.com for blog posts, podcasts, and video blogs, always on the topic of leadership. And we hope you enjoyed our One Thing series today on how leaders can help themselves be confident, to, to be great leaders, to be successful with our friend, Fred Stuvak. Fred, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you for your time. Have a great day. And I hope that those listening to this podcast enjoy it and get something out of it.